This podcast is brought to you by Most Valuable Podcasts, leading the league in podcasting entertainment. Welcome in, my friends, to a very special edition of Behind the Pen. I am so freaking pumped for this show because not only do I have a guest that talked awesome bull stuff with us, I have a co-host tonight. And this co-host is very near and dear to me because we used to have a tag team duo back in the day, podcasting-wise. Which one are you happy about? More so not you, but at the same time, I'm glad that you're here. Luke Behennessy. I feel that. Luke Behennessy, thank you very much for jumping on with me on Behind the Pen for today's show. Thank you for having me so much. You're welcome. You were on, uh, what, one of my like second podcasts here at Most Available Podcasts, right? You yeah, talked some baseball? We talked a whole bunch. We talked about your life, a uh, little bit of baseball. How much I cry in the corner at night. That, your hopes and dreams, your dogs, mainly your dogs. My dogs, yeah. I got two of them. Your two sons. Well. Anyway, we got a lot on tap it's for weird. you tonight. It's weird. And specifically, we're going to uh, focus on Chicago sports because this is behind the pen. I don't give a, you know, I don't care what you guys think. So we're going to talk about what we want to talk about. Now, hopefully, you enjoy what we talk about because there's a lot to get to, especially baseball-wise. So much going on. I can't wrap my head around it. And we have bull stuff, and it's, it's, it's an opportunity for me to bitch some more because that's all I do whenever we talk bulls basketball. NBA game finals going on right now mm-hmm. as and, we speak. Uh, Real quick, who do you got? Who do you got? I don't. And I don't care about the score. Warriors, who do you got? Warriors in six. I got. I got Cleveland in seven. I wouldn't mind. Wait, are Golden mind. State at home? Do they have home court? Yes. You going out on the limb and say yes? This is how much I'm paying attention. Wait, yes. they're at home today. Oh, I got Cleveland in seven. I don't care. Let's go. So we got basketball talk. Drew Edstrom from Chicago now Bulls block. He joined us. For today's show, he's got a lot of insight, guys, so you got to stay tuned for that interview. Good stuff. And we'll end it with some Bears talk, because I love my Bears, and we got to talk about some Bears. So, all right, let's let's jump right in. How We'll start with uh, White Sox baseball. And I wanted you on, and this is a good time to have you on, Luke, because what's going on with the White Sox right now? I mean, people are jumping shit, right? Let's, let's preface it a little bit, because April was fantastic. Right. And even in the first 10 days of May, right? even up to mid May, they were really good. And then all of a sudden they lose that one bad game when they were up 11 to six in Texas. That's where it kind of started. It started there. It's all the good luck, the insanely good luck that they had. The insanely very good luck that they had for the first 33 games started to turn around. So they got a little bit of a taste of their own medicine because you remember the White Sox were winning games by, you know, scoring late and doing all these things, getting into their bullpen. Yep. They're so, like just winning bullpen games. Then they took a trip to Kansas City, and my God, that was a disaster. Absolute disaster. You know what Hawk says, you know, it's not about the team you play, it's when you play them. But <laughs> maybe the Royals were just on some magic, <laughs> magical things. I mean, they did just win Fantasy a World Series. Fantasy special every day. You're getting beat by Whit Merrifield, Brett Ebner, Chesler Cuthbert, <laughs> Lorenzo Cain and Hosmer drove in something like 16 runs in the series. Yeah, and Drew Butera. Ripping doubles? The point is, White Sox fans who were on their high horse at the start of the season, like including le- me, legit white like World Series contender, all of a sudden it's back to tongue in cheek. That tongue in cheek attitude that a lot of White Sox fans are accustomed to over the last few seasons, and that's kind of upsetting. But we're here today to kind of just chill everyone out a little bit because yes, we're entering June as we record this podcast. It is June second. 
And the White Sox are in a great spot. Very, very much alive in the American League because one, the American League Central, eh, you know, it's like eh, I haven't seen much from it yet. The Royals aren't winning 95 games this year, I guarantee it. So they're going to be in it. I'm not, I don't know about a wild card. I mean, they could be, you know, it's not out of the question, but I, I feel think like that the division crown is it. Second second wild card spot might take more wins than the division this right. year. So if everyone yeah. on the Royals keeps getting injured. White Sox, White Sox can get in, no doubt. Because what? Todd Frazier's leading the league in homers. Yep, 17. And let's, let's say this. As now. of before tonight. How much do you care about batting average? Because if you do, you think Todd Frazier sucks. And if you do, you think Anthony Rizzo sucks. But obviously that's not the case. Well, yeah. I mean, if you use, if anyone uses batting average to justify anything, I don't listen to anything they say ever. <laughs> it's all about context. What is that average? It, what's the, it's the numbers behind the average. A guy hitting 300 with all singles and no walks is nowhere compared to a guy hitting 150 with 15 homers and all walks. And right, and batting average tells you absolutely nothing. You want to look at on base and slugging the OPS because that's that's a real tell all of your main contributors, like in the lineup, like Melky and like Todd Frazier. So these guys, OPS will tell you tell yeah. you some good things. Yeah, and these OPS guys plus tells you. I more. think this lineup. What do you think, Luke? Do you think this lineup is good enough to compete in the American League? Um, as long as as long as Robin Ventura isn't ruining it, which he does every day. You brought up Robin Ventura. I wanted to stay away from this conversation, but we got to talk about it. Now, what do you think the future of Robin Ventura is? Because now, before we get into this conversation, I know you're chomping at the bit, but I want <laughs> I want to say this first because it's always about, oh, how much value does a manager have? Like, does he bring upon wins to a ball club? Well, his job is to take his roster, manage it, put out a lineup card, manage a bullpen. Manage which, the personalities. That too, and create a philosophy inside the clubhouse that everybody can vibe to. Now, I think that is a very, very important part of a baseball team. Now, it's easy to bring up Joe Madden and, and the chemistry that they have in that clubhouse, but with Robin, he's more of a laid back guy, right? He kind of keeps he lo- the players love him. You know, he lets the locker room police themselves. So, I mean. What do you think, Luke? Do you think changing at manager position at this point of the season is going to put the White Sox closer to a crown? Well, let me just say this. What a great juxtaposition of managers we have in this town. We have Joe Madden on one side who played, tried to play baseball, didn't make it out of single A, immediately went to coaching, earned his way all the way up through his smarts and the way he does things and the way he interacts with people, and also just because he's very smart. And then we have Robin Ventura, Major League All-Star, Played 16 years in the majors, played in some big cities, L.A., New York, Chicago. Gets hired, never had any coaching experience whatsoever. Didn't even want the job to begin with. He had to be convinced to take the job. Like, Robin, you want to manage the White Sox? He's like, eh. Nah. Think about it. (laughs) If Joe Madden goes and does something goofy that you wouldn't think for a managerial decision, I'm going to think he definitely has a reason for this. Right. He usually has a reason. He usually does. And then when if Robin does some goofy like bat Jimmy Rollins second fifty times, right. he's usually gonna be like, I was a major league all star. I'm gonna go with my gut. I know what I'm doing. Well, it's like he it's like the situations he puts his relievers in too. It's like you see I'm gonna bring up Zach Duke. I know the sample size isn't great, but when you see him face lefty after lefty and he just can't get him out, and then you hear Robin Ventura's, you know, justification as oh, I like the numbers against Zach Duke in this guy's career, like he couldn't hit him. Well, Hosmer was 
Yeah, like two for seven. Sure, that was two yeah. for nine off. Now of that him. was the Hosmer game where he hit that ga- uh, go ahead base hit or whatever the game tire, and you had Nate Jones sitting in the bullpen. I mean, this, whose numbers are pretty even against righty lefties. Nasty against right, either. And I mean, it could be arguably said that he is your best reliever in that bullpen. I know he's not like I'm not talking closer material. No, but he I'm is. Saying, he is because yeah. if you look at Robertson, Robertson really struggles against right-handed hitters, and Nate Jones is very equal with both. Because I think pure filth, Nate Jones is the best. So what do you think? Well, they had Rick Renteria. They hired him to mostly communicate with the Latin players, right? Yes, and you watched Cubs games. How is he as a game manager? Well, you know what? I've I heard think he's bad. I think he would still be the Cubs manager if you know Joe Madden didn't fall into the Cubs' laps. And he would he though? I think so, because I think a lot of the guys in the locker room liked him. And I mean, players move around and stuff, but I think they had, they, you know, they had, a, they had a He's nice smart. flow in there. And I really didn't have much to complain about when Renteria was manager. But I mean, a lot of people, I mean, not a lot, but people were saying, oh, keep Renteria. He's fine. But I'm like, are you stupid? Joe Mann just became available and he wants to be the manager. Like, you got to sign him. And they did. So I'm happy. Yes, that's the right decision. Rick Renteria probably, I think he would do a better job than Robin. You think so? I think he would. He's he he's he knows what he's doing more so than Robin, who just kind of does things because he thinks that's how it should be so in his you, head. What do you think the relationship between Robin and Coop have, like between like managing arms specifically? Do you think I that think Cooper I, has any influence on this? They're on similar philosophies because I think Robin lets Cooper do his thing. You well, I mean, Robin just does his thing anyway, and so does pretty much everybody in the White Sox. I mean, I think okay. So the biggest thing I'm I'm getting at here, I think the biggest thing, the difference I see with the White Sox, and I think you know where I'm going with this, is just the energy in the in the in the clubhouse, in the dugout, on the field. It's good. It's much better than what we've seen over the last couple of years, at least. Well, true. They're also weren't in this position they were. In the last couple, you didn't see like the optimism wasn't as high. And yes, this is the best team they've had since 2012. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. just the the overall incompetency of not having a shutout left-handed lefty specialist with career numbers against lefties that are proven to work. Uh, Matt Perk, lefty in your bullpen rookie, started his career with five and two thirds cross innings. He's pitched a third. He's faced one lefty batter. So are you are you why team, not try it out? Are you team fire Robin? You can't do it yet. They just won two against the Mets. You know the loyalty in that in that organization. It's going to take something major for them to fire him. It is. It's going to take... Not this, a bunch of crazy people saying, oh, fire Robin! It would have took this losing streak to go on and on. Right. Or a disaster coming up. Right. I just don't I don't think it will. I think yeah. Robin's going to... Hey, they got a backup. They got a backup manager on the bench. So if it happens, I think they'll be in fine hands. How much it'll change the team, we'll see. Because the players got to make the plays, got to hit the ball. Rickon's just as guilty as he is. Sure. For keeping Jerry Sands on the team this long. Sure. With now, let plenty me, of guys. To let get me chances. ask you this. What kind of roster moves do the White Sox need to make to improve right now? Because obviously Jerry Sands taking up a bench spot isn't best interest of your team. Should, Start with the easy things. Should they play Saladino more? Those yes. are the pressing questions. It's 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 no doubt that Saladino should be a main starter, not just because of his youth, but because it's so clear he's just the more better he's just the more experienced, not experienced option than Jimmy Rollins, but he's gained all this knowledge he needs from Rollins, and I'll go out there and play and show it. What I like a lot about Saladino is, I, I, you know, the sporadic playing time that he's been able to get on the field. He's putting together really good at-bats almost every time, and he's squaring the ball up. 
I mean, his his numbers are pretty decent in, in limited at-bats, so why not just stick with it? And he's a great glove. Amazing so, glove. I mean, is it really a—like, you want to keep your veteran happy, but at the same time you want to win. You can get Rollins in there. He sure. He play a little third, a little bit of second. Well, you don't have to bat him. Right, like you said, second— in the lineup every night. Never. It doesn't have to Never happen again. that way. Never so what again. do you think the White Sox should do? Do they have pieces that they can call up? or Start with the things that you can, uh, the easy things, like fortifying your bench, which you could do with, if they want, if Rick Hahn, you know, had any stones in him, he'd release Rollins right now, bring up Tim Anderson, and then mix it. Say Aladino could be your super utility man, throw Anderson at shortstop. Yeah. I think he's ready. Really? You think Anderson can play short? I, I've seen some things that he's not a very good defender. He's he's took a big step this year at this fielding. Yeah. I don't know if he's a major league shortstop, to be honest. I thought I he, figured that his position might be second or third. They are very much relying on that. Well, well so not second or third. I don't know, man. If he can't do shortstop, he won't be able to do yeah, those. Second base is a lot easier to play than shortstop, I'll tell you that. And I think I think if you're a decent enough, if you could play short, you could play second and third. It's so, also a pride thing. Well, sure. Everybody wants to be a shortstop. That's the best. That's the hardest position to play on the field. But at the same time, I don't know how much the White Sox are looking at Anderson. Now, I'm not close to the team, but I'm not sure if they think that he's this guy that they can not build around, but just really have faith in to come up and be a boost. He just needs to come up and show anything. It wouldn't be that hard for him to outproduce Rollins right now. Yeah. And why not? Why not go out there and see if your top prospect, the White Sox can't. The White Sox, if you look at their history in the last fifteen years of calling up position prospects, yeah. they've, they've. I mean, drafted. maybe they it's do terrible. that. Maybe they do that in July. But if they if, if they pull some out of their hat and call them up at the end of June, I'll be kind of shocked because I'm not. I'm not sure. If, I wouldn't be. I I don't know. I'm just looking at Tim Anderson, and I just don't really see much. Do you, now? Do you? Would you be okay if they traded him? Because I know he's been in talks with. Shields and the Padres. I know that's the biggest nope. name right now. Nope, you call him up right now. No, I mean, I'm just asking you. I, would, I wouldn't trade him. The White Sox have not have, have to learn their lesson about trading any prospects they value well, because they have made the— It's the, the White ver- Sox way. They continue to make the wrong choice with the few guys that's they draft how, that are decent. That's how they try and stay relevant every year. They sign guys in free agency, and they trade away their farm system in mid, mid-year along with in the offseason— and it just the never-ending cycle continues, and you have Kenny Williams looking over management. I don't think it's going to stop very soon. So it wouldn't surprise me in the latest, in the slightest, that they trade Anderson. But I agree with you. I just don't see it happening. Keep him. Keep you him. have to. You developed him first-round draft pick back in 2013. He's coming along very nicely. Keep him. So I mean that's just me. But I wanted to bring up Shields because he's an interesting name, and he's been linked with the White Sox. Do you think this happens? He's got 21. Million a year for three more years after this. I year? think he signed. What is it? This fifty-eight is... mil or something? Four years, fifty-eight mil. It's his second year with the Padres. Was it something like that? Oh no, it was more. He got somewhere in the eighties or nineties. Okay, I think he might have like fifty-eight mil left. I think that's what the number was, and it and it averaged out to like nineteen a year. So can the White Sox afford to take that contract? Because if they do that, then that kind of limits them next offseason. Not saying next offseason's got a bunch of pitching names that they want to go after, but it kind of limits them and restricts them to make moves. What do you think? It depends. It really depends what the Padres value them at, what the White Sox will take upon monetary value-wise. There's so many different things to play with this trade. First of all, the White Sox don't have very much to offer outside of Tim Anderson. Right. So I mean, I saw Eric Johnson. Them. 
Smith's name in there. They could probably deal him. I would be okay with that. Yeah, if you could somehow pack it, throw together some scrap package. Is there of like a guy named money. Tito on the team or, or Tat? Are you trying to think of Nicky Delmonico? No, I don't want to trade him. Nah. All right, whatever. Sorry to cut you off. What were you saying? I was just package saying, of what? I just don't. If they could somehow scrap together a package of of a, of a guy like Eric Johnson, of a guy like Taylor Taylor Danish, some some kind of person on their major league roster that the Padres would like. It, the Padres are probably just looking to dump salaries. Oh, they want to dump that payroll. That's I think that's what, one of the main things. And I, I don't know. I think they might take it. I wouldn't cut. mind paying James Shields $14 million a year for three more years. Yeah. Two or three more years. Yeah. They need it. Um, I say, if, it's, if there's some way Rickon can pull it off on yeah. that with keeping Tim Anderson and guys like Spencer Adams, any, you, uh, any, you got to do it. Yeah. And I, I think I agree with you. Um, but Shields to me is just such a meh guy. You know, he can give you innings. I mean, he hasn't he hasn't gone less than 200 innings since 2006, which is insane. This guy's got like a rubber arm. I don't know how he does it. But and he just gave up uh, his last start was two awful. and a third innings, ten it was runs. Awful. But at the same time, that was just one bad start. It only put his earned on average up to 4.2. Yeah, I mean, I got to tell he's I, out there. If you're the White Sox, again. I think that might be the guy. Are there any bats out there that you're looking at specifically? Maybe Jay Bruce or something. Jay Bruce was the one on my mind. I mean, he's got. Over ten homers, over ten doubles, had a pretty good four year. triples. He's doing pretty good. The Reds need anything yeah. pitching. They need pitching in any capacity you could get it. If you could offer them Johnson, Dan- Danish, another pitcher for Jay Bruce, that'd be wonderful. Mm-hmm. Perfect DH. Very cool. All right, man. Whew. That uh, that was some good White Sox talk. I, it's yeah, always gone for like six more hours. It, I know we could, we really could, because I, I got so much on my mind. But we got to cut it short this time. I'm sure you'll be on again. We'll talk some White Sox soon. Great talk. We got to move on, though, because we got some pressing bull stuff, and we got Drew Edstrom on in this show, and I'm very excited about it because he he kicks ass at what he does, so that boy Drew. <laughs> Let's talk about this Bulls situation. Bad. My last podcast, I touched on it a little bit uh, about Joakim Noah and how I was frustrated, and that Joakim, value, Joakim Noah I thought had value to this team, especially with the position that they're in. He adds value mostly with his energy, personality. But at the same time, you have no more Pau Gasol, and they have which isn't the worst thing because he played no, zero I defense. Don't, that's fine. I don't want him. Oh no, let him walk. Oh, I thought you loved Pau Gasol. No, 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 no. Really? Well, I would like him on a competitive team, which they could have been like this year, but obviously they were like farts and baby diapers. But he looks good if you play him twenty minutes and not he's thirty. He's gonna walk, and if they re-sign him, I'm just not gonna be a Bulls fan anymore. If you re-sign him, play him less. No, he looks like a he'd be it's a really a he'd, be a, he'd be a nice bench player. It's such an awful roster move. He'd be a nice bench player. Well, you know what hurts them losing Joaquin Noah because now they have Cristiano Felicio as your only center. No, that's not gonna cut it. So they got to do something. And we talked to Drew. He's gonna mention some names, but man. Oh, uh, this this Bulls team's really, really pissing me off. Besides the front office situation being horrible and awful, I don't know. Got got a little bit of optimism. I don't know. Maybe De- could Derrick Rose kind of want to kind of want to ball it up now, for the contract year. What kind of optimism are you talking? Like championship optimism? Maybe like a force four or five seed. Well, they could. They were freaking good enough to do that this year. They were on the pace. I thought but they were going to win 50 games this year. They definitely need something to change the philosophy in that freaking locker room because right now, Fred Hoiberg, I don't know what, like, transition year for him in his first year, it was just a train wreck. And Taj Gibson's on his last year of the deal that he's currently on. 
Derrick Rose has one more year. You sign Butler. Do you want to trade him? I doubt it. I wouldn't. That won't happen. I wouldn't. And, you know, we got to go from there. But, all right, we're going to introduce Drew, and I hope you guys enjoy it because he's awesome. All right, I'd like to take this time now to introduce my Bulls guest for the show, Drew Edstrom from Chicago Now. He's a Bulls blogger from Bulls Block. Drew, thank you for jumping out behind the pen with me. Mike, thanks so much, man. Thanks for having me. Oh, absolutely. Anytime. All right, so we got we got to jump right into it. We're also alongside Luke Behennessy here. He's my co-host for the show, and uh, we're going we're gonna to just piggyback off each other with some questions, and I got to start with the pressing Noah news because that kind of took us by storm. Right, because you know he's been the face of the Bulls since the start, and now there's a source saying he's, you know, not trusted with this front office. What well, What do you think? What do you think about this whole epidemic that went down? Well, obviously, when you think of the heart and soul of this Bulls team over the past several years, you think of Joakim Noah, and you just think of the energy that he provides, and the locker room presence, and the leadership. Um, but still, we still don't know what really goes behind closed doors. If you get what I'm saying. Um, so this isn't like a super conform, confirmed source, but I do get the feeling that he is going to leave town. Um, and whenever there's a change in leadership, it's very hard to transition. And the transition with Hoiberg's head coach after Tibbs, Tibbs was gone, I think that was really tough on Noah. And obviously, um, they're going to miss his leadership. Um, but I just think it's time, man. I just think it's time to kind of move forward kind of move on from this core if you watch the bulls um, last season you could tell that they just had no sense of identity um, no no defense identity at all and they just were looking out of sorts um, and so if noah does leave um, there's a there's some free agents you can go and get but they're kind of handcuffed right now the bulls because they don't have a ton of cap space um, until next summer when derrick rose's contract comes off the books um, so you're missing a big leader if Noah does leave, but you can kind of find those placeholder guys, those guys that you can sign to probably a two-year deal, hopefully, for cheap. Um, you're thinking of guys like Mahimi, possibly a Roy Hibbert, or even a Mozgov. Um, looking at some of those guys. The pool for centers, it's not that deep of a free agent class um, besides Hassan Whiteside and guys that are just going to be way out of your price range. So they're probably going to look to go somewhere cheap. But losing Noah is going to be a tough pill to swallow at first for a lot of Bulls fans, for sure. Noah seems he could like he could be kind of through, like productive player wise, and but the thing that Noah really brings to the table is is a recognizable player that the fans love. And who can they really replace him with that could take his spot realistically? Is a guy like Maurice Spates possible? Yeah, he is spot. He is possible. I was also thinking of Spates, um, but we'll see if Golden State can re-sign him because um, they also need to sign re-sign Livingston as well, and that's a contract they need to take care of. And Noah could actually be a fit in Golden State. It's interesting that you mentioned Spates because uh, Golden State needs a rim protector who can pass the ball, and Noah can do that. So, um, yeah, I'm sorry to cut you off, Drew. I just wanted to piggyback off that. So what do you think – the Bulls can do with, with their current situation with the cap and whatnot, does that make certain players expendable? Maybe like something crazy like Butler or Derrick Rose or something like that? And would they would maybe Jalil Okafor maybe a possible option out there? Or what do you, what do you think the Bulls can do with their current roster constraint? 
Yeah, that's been kind of uh, the topic of conversation the past couple of days here out of Philadelphia with uh, Okafor and Noel apparently on the block, and the Sixers are looking to trade both of them or one of them. And the thing is, I don't really see an Okafor trade happening because it would cost Jimmy Butler. I'm in the keep Jimmy Butler camp because he is a top three shooting guard in the league. He does play both sides of the ball, and he's your best player. Um, and I think, like I said before, it's a time of transition here. Even though I don't think the core, this core can win a championship, it's still a time of transition. And I think you've got to give Hoiberg at least one more season to kind of like put the right players in place. Um, in regards to players that are expendable, I think everyone except for, uh, except for Jimmy. Um, obviously, they've been looking to get rid of Derek's contract for some time, but it's just not a realistic possibility just because no one wants to take a chance on a rental of Derek Rose for one season because you don't know if he's healthy. Um, also, there's guys like Nico and Taj who are, or are good, valuable pieces, but I'm not sure they're championship pieces for certain teams. Um, but I'd say everyone should be on the table at this point because they should try to move forward because this core, like I've said many times so far, it's done, I think. I think it's time to kind of blowing up, blow it up and try to build around Jimmy. Well, uh, Drew, if they do manage to somehow free up enough cap space to try and maybe go after one of the bigger names out there, low-key big names like maybe a Ryan Anderson, someone like that, even possibly L. Jefferson or L. Horford, if they could somehow finesse certain things to get that money up, but with the like the recent ripping of Noah and the and Gar Foreman and this front office reputation, does that really hurt the attraction of the Bulls like very, very severely? Oh, absolutely. I mean, word gets around the league, guys. Like, people, players are talking here. They know the dysfunction is happening, and they know that there is a disconnect between the players and the front office, and there's no trust. Um, the front office's image is not a good place in any means. Um, and I doubt anyone will take a discount at all to join this team. Um, it seems like the Bulls and the Kings right now are, are at the top of the dysfunction chain, uh, so to speak. Uh, we just constantly keep on hearing news about how dysfunctional the front office is, and it's just a straight dumpster fire in my opinion. So does that affect even the, like the the reputation of Hoiberg and his assistants along with the players? It just seems like they're, they're not gelling. I mean, just from a naked eye as I'm watching this Bulls team last year, they would get back to the huddle, you know, and the coaches would do their thing, and then the players would just sit on the bench and just not do anything. They would just sit there in silence, honestly. It's like it seemed like nothing was in, in motion last season. Does Now, I don't know how significant this might be, but I know the Bulls have to replace a couple assistants this year. Do you think this coaching staff can help fix the problem? Well, I always like to give a new coach a couple years to get acclimated and to get the right players in his system. Paul Gasol was not going to run Fred Hoiberg's system. It just wasn't going to happen. Um, and Fred Hoiberg is a product of Gar Foreman. Those two are together. They're yep. a package deal. That has happened all year. Like I said, no sense of identity all season long. And the thing about coaches is the number one thing you need to be able to do as a coach is manage personality. You can have the best game plan in the world, the best system. If you can't manage personalities and the egos on the team, 
you will not be a successful head coach. Absolutely, and that's like the that's the biggest difference that Hoiberg had to adjust to in the NBA coming from a college team. You know, it's just it's a different ball game. Guys have these egos compared to in college because in college, really, you're playing to make the NBA. Once you're in the NBA, where else can you go? You know, you're just sitting here making some money now. So, I mean, I I, I totally agree with you. I think it, it's up to Hoiberg now to adjust his philosophy and try and well, without Noah assumingly that he's gone. You know, it's going to be tough. But um, so I just want to transition here into the draft because I know you're doing some research on it, and you know this is a big topic. Bulls got the 14th pick this year, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, who do you, where do you want the Bulls to go this draft? Do you want them to take a point guard or a big man or something like that? Do you want them to trade? What do you think? I mean, they could try to trade up, and if I'm trading up for any player, I'm trading up for Chris Dunn. Um, but I don't see that happening. I don't see the Bulls trading up really because you know how their front office works. They don't take a ton of risks. Um, but I'm a big fan of taking the best player available um, and the best um, two-way player available. Um, so I'm looking at guys um, at the point guard position. Obviously, you have Chris Dunn at the head of the pack. You have the uh, the Murrays and the Wade Baldwins of the world. I think Wade Baldwin is the second best guard in this draft um, out of Vanderbilt. I think he can run a pro offense. He plays both sides of the ball. He's very physical on defense, and he has a great uh, body to be a good defensive point guard in the NBA. Um, but I'm, a, like I said, best player available. Um, and at the number 14 spot, you're not going to get a franchise-changing player, but you can get a good piece. Absolutely. So I think if I had to choose right now, um, a realistic option for the Bulls at 14. I'm taking uh, Timothy Luawu. There you go. Uh, the Frenchman. So what he can do is he's a slasher. He's very long. He can shoot the ball, and he uh, can get up and down. Okay. You watch some of his highlights. Um, he's just getting up and down the court very quickly, long strides. Say that name again for me. Timothy Luawu. Very nice. I love it. I think you nailed it, too. Absolutely. Yeah, I think I got it right. <laughs> um, so I like him a lot. I like Baldwin at the guard spot. I also like uh, DeMontis Sabonis. There you go. Oh, yeah, another big name. There you go. Yeah, no, I'm absolutely highly on him, too. Yeah, I like his motor. Um, he's good with his body. He doesn't waste movement. So he's very efficient in the post. Um, I'm not sure how his offensive game will translate to the NBA, but you want those high motor guys, those energy guys. Um, Mm-hmm. And I think he can be that for the Bulls. So, so. yeah, absolutely. Definitely um, good stuff there. Uh, what do you think of Demetrius Jackson and another name for you, Buddy Heald? What do you, get, what do you, what do you think? Well, we all watch Buddy Heald in tournaments, so we know what kind of talent he has. Um, just a very smooth shooter from the outside. can do a lot of things. Um, his defense is kind of suspect at this point. And in regards to Demetrius Jackson, I know the Bulls had him in for a workout talk to him they seem to really like him um but i just i just think you need a player who can if you're going to draft a backup point guard you need to draft a backup point guard who can run the offense um we've seen in the past couple of years players like filler backup point guards like aaron brooks john lucas the third um players who aren't necessarily going to run an offense demetrius jackson is crazy athletic um and he does a lot of things well but I would still kind of lean towards Wade Baldwin okay. for Demetrius Jackson. Okay, awesome. 
We got Drew Edstrom here from Chicago Now, Bulls blogger. Really great stuff for you on this Behind the Ped podcast. We really appreciate you, appreciate you coming on. As we end this interview, I just got to ask you, man, who do you got in the finals? Ooh, I'm taking the Warriors in seven with MVP honors going to Steph Curry. Well, you're going out on a limb, I got to tell yeah, you. Yeah, hot take there. Well, take. <laughs> well, I don't blame you because, you know what, Golden State's, I, w- I thought they were done when they were uh, down 3-1 OKC, but, hey, OKC can't finish all year, and that kind of, you know, you can't beat the champs that way. I mean, we'll see what happens. Uh, Cleveland's on quite a run. Oh, yes, right yes. Playing at a very high level, and they have their whole team ready to go and healthy, so that's big. And just for fun, just for fun, who do you think is the better player, Steph Curry or LeBron James? Oh, my gosh, you're asking me to compare. Putting you on <laughs> out on a limb right now. Just say it. It's, it's fine. Just do it. I'm going LeBron. So. Gotta be LeBron. It's Good gotta man. be LeBron. Good man. Absolutely. I mean, Steph Curry is the best shooter of all time. Sure. And he could do different things, but LeBron's skill set, I'm telling you, he's like, yep. if you want to mold a basketball player, you're going to get LeBron James. I mean, he's a train. Absolutely. Train. Absolutely. Drew Edstrom from Chicago Now Bulls blogger, thank you so much for joining Behind the Pen. We will definitely get you back on here at some point. I really appreciate your time. Thank you very much. Mike, thanks, man. Thanks a lot, guys. Appreciate it. Big thanks to Drew Edstrom once again for that awesome interview. He's definitely going to come back because obviously he provides excellent content. Fantastic. But yeah, it was a great job. Great job all the way around. But I want to transition now into my favorite topic of the show, and that's the Chicago Bears because it's always football season, right, Luke? 100, 102 days to uh, I think it's less than that. Game? I think we're under 100 games till kickoff. Under 100. Or 100 games, 100 days until kickoff. Whoa. Yeah, man, football's already here. Got to start of. thinking about my fantasy team and oh, that all already, the fun that brings. That already makes me sweat. Ew. <laughs> and I hate it because I'm moist everywhere when I sweat. Yes. It's but, kind of, do you, and you get kind of well, red like strawberry. Well, I did bit. win the championship, by the way, to my credit. And everyone listening, I am a fantasy football champion, so that's over For my once. head. First one. What do you mean, first one? Is that the first one? one? Well, yeah, but it doesn't matter. I'm always in the playoffs, so it doesn't matter. I finally pulled through, but anyway. Always. We're talking some Bears on this show, and now that I have a guest on with me to talk Bears, that's not Ricky Widmer, because he's always dampening my mood. Luke, are you optimistic about this year? Optimistic, no, but am I completely dreading it like I was last year? No. (laughs) No. Okay, well, that's a decent stance. I thought you'd be a little more excited about the Bears. I'm excited because I love Bears. And I'm also very excited because they have a competent coaching staff, which is awesome. Well, and they're making moves. They're getting good. They're building their depth up slowly. Yeah. No, my stance on going into this season is that they're a playoff team. I'll just flat out and say it. I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't go as far as say. It. I say All right, eight go ahead. Eight. Bring me back to bring eight me back eight. to earth. If you do eight and eight, nine and seven, I'm happy. And then the next year, take the step. This is almost like this is like that year last year the Cubs had. I think. See what happens. The Cubs thought they were not going to make the playoffs that year, and they ended up being really good. I don't think I'm not saying the Bears are going to just come out of nowhere win like 12, 13 games, but I don't think anybody's going to be mad if they miss the playoffs this year. No, if I'm they not, show improvement, if they show improvement. I mean, I would be a little pissed off because you know, even with that crap team that they had last year, with the the lack thereof of talent, I think I think people are going to be surprised what this defense can do. And now that we have depth and weapons on the offensive end, I feel like they could. Win some ball games that they not didn't necessarily win last year. 
I, I don't know. I kind of also think that, I mean, it's going to be important to have a good defense, but I feel like the defense is going to step up and then the offense is going to be bad. You think so? Yeah, I like the running back attack. Jay Cutler looked like he came off one of his best years. Uh, the wide receivers scare me. Do you? Their do durabil- you? I just don't think oh, their yeah. durability well, yeah, is that's the thing. good at all. They got to be healthy. And but, but on paper, I really like sure. their top four. I yeah. really like it. Now let's let's come back to earth a little bit, and I'm talking to myself because I've been highly, um, I've spoken highly of the Bears all the time whenever I get a chance to. Because it's been it's been a lot of months. You're just not sick of them. Well, after Trustman, I was just about done. But you know now we're on the up and up, so <laughs> things are a little better than they were going into 2014. And boy, I'm happy better. those years are done. My God, that was awful. But it's kind of fun, though. The Bears made another roster move. They're bolstering their offensive line depth again. They signed offensive tackle Nate Chandler from the Panthers, and Chandler was hurt for the most part of last year. I don't know if he played, but regardless, he, he'll he fill in, and I think they really like Charles Leno over at left tackle. So if anything happens to him, whether it's an injury or he just is bad, they can plug Nate Chandler in, and I think they're comfortable with that. Now let's kind of break this team down because you have – a running back, a, a, a running back attack, like you mentioned, with a bunch of young guys, and they're gonna have to ride them. As not only do you have Langford in his second year and Kadeem Carey, who barely plays, but like he was in a more exaggerated role last year, but he was limited pretty much on the field for the most part of his career. And then you draft Jordan Howard in the fifth round, and suddenly you have three young uh, running back tandems, right? Running your pretty much offense behind Jay Cutler, who and you know what, Jay Cutler, you know, over the last few seasons has been the topic of conversation of whether they're unsure about it. You know, do they have to make a move at the quarterback position? I think this year, I think it's it's fine to say that he's your guy, right? And there, that's not a position to worry. Well, it's kind of elsewhere. Langford, Carey, and Howard. Do they have all different type of skill sets? Yeah, are they is one good at blockings, one good at sure. third downs? Are they different types of runners? I think Carey. Well, I, I Carey showed me a lot last year. He hits the hole very hard, and he can catch a pass. We saw that. Yeah, third down back. So yeah, that's probably his role. Uh, jo- John, Jordan Howard. He's what? what, what they're going to bring him in with two sets what with Lingford. Definitely, they're going to mix and match with that, and he also is a hard runner. Lots of positive grades on him. And we saw what Langford did last year, so we have to be, we have to limit our expectations with this young running back core. But I feel like we we could be optimistic about it because we saw the playmaking ability from all three of them. And you saw Fox in Denver; he likes having his running backs, sure. He's having different running backs available to him. And elsewhere, we look at the offensive line. You think it's pretty set, right? We feel confident in Cody Whitehair, that the second round draft pick they made left guard. And then you have Kyle Long, obviously, who's arguably one of the best in, in football at his position. Mm-hmm. And they, they brought in Bobby Massey, who the Cardinals, who were a playoff team, didn't want to pay. So what are you going to get from him? And I know they bolstered the depth signing backup linemen, which is huge. Because we saw last year, you know, we need depth everywhere. Mm-hmm. Always. Offensive linemen drop like flies sometimes. But I feel like this is a competent enough group because we, we've seen it. We if you under I feel like if you understand the fact that the Bears, if they have enough weapons around them on offense and they have the right pieces, and that includes coaching, the philosophy, the playbook, the talent. If you have all of that and it comes into sync, Jay Culler can win. 
They just have to play complete games this year. The Bears year can win. And close it out. And then I feel like they're going to rely on their defense some, especially— A lot. Well, yeah. I mean, a lot. Yeah. You just need the defense to yeah. step up. If I you're think thinking playoffs— Defense has got to play well. And, of course, this goes without saying, you got to rely on yeah, still people had, not getting hurt. They still had tons of holes last year. Sure. And I feel like that Ugly secondary— holes. What do you think about the secondary, man? Because I don't know. Still uncomfortable. I really is. It still makes it really me very is. uncomfortable. There are there are drafts, they need their draft picks to hit. Big they time, need them to hit. Big time. And I feel like like Deion Bush, DeAndre, Houston Carson. You know, I, I like what I've heard. I feel like uh I think we're gonna be surprised with some of those names. I feel like they're gonna come in and have an instant impact, and I think the Bears will be okay. I think they'll be okay. And I I, I want <laughs> I've been saying this. I feel like if everything goes their way, it has to. They have the second easiest schedule in football. They can be a playoff team this year. Don't they count can. them out. Well, they can because I also think the Vikings and the Vikings and Lions are both going to be bad. You think the Vikings, the NFC North division winning Vikings, are going to be bad? Yeah. What do the Vikings ever keep things together for more than a year? Well, their defense is stacked, and their offense has some pretty decent wef- weapons, and especially now with uh, Laquan Treadwell on that. You know, you have uh, Stephon Diggs and Treadwell with. It's just, I guess, you got to rely on Teddy Bridgewater. And do you do that? Are you highly on him? Because I'm not. I don't think no, he's that good. Because when he, uh, I mean, Adrian Peterson is just completely ineffective when Teddy Bridgewater stays right. in the pocket. It just doesn't work. Mm-hmm. I mean, how long can you, how long can that last? How long can they could be a healthy playoff team combination right there? Yeah, I don't think the Vikings would be bad. I think it's going to be a three-team race because the Lions are poo. I don't think the Vikings are going to be bad, but I don't think they're going to win 10, 11 games. You know, Ricky, uh, MVP, you know, main guy, have him on the show sometimes, even though I don't want him to be here. But, uh, you know, he he thinks that three playoff teams are coming out of the North, and I have a hard time disagreeing with him. You really think that could happen? I think so, but I mean, at the it's, same it's time. It's possible, but I just don't see that happening. At the same time. The NFC, well, I mean, how many teams are going to be in the mix come... You know, December and January. I mean... A ton. The NFC East, I think, is going to be much improved. And I feel like that division might produce two. With I feel like Dallas is going to come on as long as Romo's healthy, which he... He's getting up uh, there in age. That's yeah. no guarantee. So, I mean, things got to go right for Dallas, but I feel like they're a very good team. They underperformed last year, but they were much better than their record showed. And I think that was obvious. Yeah. They just didn't have a quarterback. Nope. So Which is their own fault. And then you have the freaking eight and eight, nine and seven Washington Redskins, Kirk Cousins, Kirk Cousins coming out of nowhere, looking like a hundred. Pretty good, man. Think he's, think he's worth that money? Well, yeah, I feel like given the quarterbacks market, I mean, you're slightly, you're going to slightly overpay for all of these guys. I don't think that East is going to be improved at all. I think so, and I don't like know about mess. the Eagles. Blah, the Eagles, ah, I don't know what they're doing. Sam Bradford's <laughs> kind of poo, but. The Giants, I feel like, are going to be competitive as well. But you know what? They're they're freaking... all going to be around eight and eight, nine and seven again. Yeah, I mean, unless the Cowboys come out of nowhere. So boom, Bears have no. That's better for the Bears. It is. It really is. NFC South though. NFC South's got some teams. What do you think? Bucks, well, Saints, bes- Falcons. Besides the Panthers, Panthers? Who, who really scares you? With I mean, the Saints are always kind of there. Drew Brees, but do they do they scare you? Mm-hmm. And what about uh, Matt Ryan and the Falcons? Terrible. Terrible. So that's even better for the Bears. You have one team coming out of the South, one team coming out of the East, and what? NFC West, 49ers, bad. Rams, meh. 
I mean, maybe I would Carson or whoever they drafted, what the whatever his name is, uh, Jordan Chase, whatever you know, Goff. Do you think he can take him to the playoffs? No, no. Bears are Bears are. There's a clear path for them to win ten games and get into that second wild card spot. Definitely, absolutely, they can go ten and six, especially and get, with their schedule. And that would that pretty much might put them right in the playoffs and in the second spot. Take care of things I've in your conference. Take care it. of things in your division. They can do it. They can do it. And, and, and the start of their schedule is is. I'm not gonna hold my breath. They gotta be able to get off to a good start. Go three and one. That whew, that's good. And you know you got the Colts and um, you got the Eagles and the Cowboys up there, and the, you start off in Houston, so you take care of some of those teams, and and you see where you're at in Indianapolis, and we'll go from there. I've learned to not really look at the schedule sometimes. The cool. Bears, you never it's know what they're going to give you. It's they, a lot of fun to do that. You never know what's going to happen. Well, yeah, obviously. Well, remember the a couple years ago, or yeah, it was a couple years ago. We were so pumped about the Bears. You know, they were just coming off what was it, an eight and eight season. After Trestman in 2013, first year, right? And we were like, 2014's the year, baby. We got this Best offense in unbelievable the world. offense. The defense will be fine because the offense will just outscore everybody. You know, Trestman's philosophy, the relationship with Cutler, and Matt Forte, Martellus Bennett, Brandon Marshall, all these guys. Yeah, shouldn't that teach you not to, you know, be optimistic right now? And then they play the Bills. And what was it, EJ Manuel? Was he, was he the quarterback? Yep. And they lost to the Bull, uh, the Bear. Bills, damn it. They lost to the Bills at home on the opener. That's how 2014 started, and we all know what happened. They were giving up 50 points left and right and, you know, losing to teams unbelievably badly. So it's the ultimate shit show. Where we've come since then is just really inspiring to me because it's like I was at rock bottom as a Bears fan under Trustman. I was just like, this is such garbage. Just like, drinking your life away. This is the worst team I've ever seen, and I've been watching the Bears since. twenty like, For 26 years now. Well, sure. We could say that, or maybe like 47. Combined, maybe. Yeah, I've been... Damn it, Luke. I've been a Bears fan for 65 years, all right? <laughs> and I'm telling you this. Jay Cutler is not the quarterback for this team. And I say this because he throws so many balls to other people that's not on their team. Damn it. Get them out of here. Fire their coach. Fire their manager. Fire their president. And then the Chicago Bears will be good again. I'll hang up and listen to your to your answer. You're just um you're just not believing. <laughs> you're just not believing, sure. Are you telling me after sixty seven years of life? All right, we're that's enough of that. But yeah, yeah, just so excited. We, you know, we, at this point of the off season, we're just kind of waiting because OTAs are going on. We see these minor stories. Oh, you Brian Hoyer and Jay Cutler, they're getting along. That's great. I you know I don't they care. probably party together. I'm really gonna start paying attention heavily again once training camp starts. Of course, preseason you got to see what you're you paying got. attention heavily right now. Well, yeah, I mean moderately at the same time because what do you mean? Nope. What do you mean? Nope. You're we were like reading articles in bed probably like up until like 3 a.m. reading about anything you. You can. know what I was doing? I'm not gonna say that. Okay, I was watching Jay Color talking about his dogs. I was watching Colors, all of his touchdown passes. I did it. I'd have no shame. I'm going to come out and say that. I watched them all. I kind of skipped Denver. But as a bear, I remember almost all of them. So, I mean, that's what I'm doing at 3 in the morning. What are you doing? Sleeping? Eating a Krabby Patty or something? Watching White Sox highlights, man. Well, (laughs) Hawkaroo. Just watching videos of Hawk. Well, I'll tell you what, Stony Pony. Just watching Hawk's podcast. It's like, uh, let's talk about Hawk a little bit because... (laughs) 
<laughs> this freaking guy. He's like, he's one, he's like senile as hell. And he's delusional most of the time when he's calling a game. He's not even, you, you, you talk he's about. He's just tired. You talk, he's very tired. You talk about a play by play guy. He doesn't even call the game. You see, uh, he's kind of just watching it dude, and saying what things. What did he do when uh, Todd Frazier hurt himself? He ran he, like, down to check ran- if he was okay. <laughs> You don't do that as a play-by-play guy. He's got heart. He says, oh, oh, I care about him. I care about him so much. I got to go see how he is right then and there. Well, there's a freaking job you got to do. There's a game going on. Steve Stone's like, oh, my God, what am I doing here? You know, it's like, just give me Jason Benetti all the time. Can you see Frazier just run to the dugout in his own power? Well, I thought... I I thought he like broke his nose or like yeah, he bit through his lip apparently, but like I yeah, thought it was fine. much worse. Yeah, it's it's good. baseball players, right? You can't sprint that fast with a broken nose. <laughs> You're crazy. You're crazy. All right, man. Well, we shot the shit and it was a lot of fun. Uh, I appreciate you coming on. I hope you guys enjoyed the Edstrom uh, interview because we liked it. Yeah, and we smelled terrible this whole time. Well, that's the thing. Like we haven't showered in weeks and I'm moist as we speak, but. Luke, thanks a lot once again for coming on Behind the Pen. Oh, thank you so much. Well, I, this is an honor and a no, privilege. Absolutely. We're going to have you back sometime. I hope you guys enjoy listening. And remember, oh, I'm so sorry, Ricky. I forgot to plug the Patreon page and Google Plus and all that. But you guys should follow us on Twitter at Most Valuable Podcast. You should follow us. I'm sorry, Most Valuable Pod. You should subscribe to our YouTube channel at Most Valuable Podcast. You should follow us on Snapchat, Most Valuable Pod. And become a patron. Uh, you go to our Patreon page, patreon.com backslash most valuable podcast. You guys become this patron, donate a dollar a month. That would be fantastic. Help us produce great content. You have exclusive content for you if you become a patron. I'll be on here naked, but you can't see that. You could probably listen to it, though. Can I donate $2 a month? Well, if you can afford it, that would be fantastic. And you uh, would get I can exclusive move some things content. around. If I move some things around, I think I can Perfect. Do it. We can accommodate to you because we love you and we appreciate all your all your listening you know, with your ears. I better get some Mike Rankin gear. Everybody, thank you very much for listening to us, be idiots. And until next time, we will see you all later. Thank you for listening to this MVP podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Most Valuable Pod for more great podcasts.